Happy New Year! Welcome back to Jump Scare. My name is Betty. And I'm Chad. This week we're covering 1982's Deadly Games. This is an Aero video release. Yep, we were able to get a screener of it. And it's uh, celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. It was released in October of 1982. There's some slight similarities, maybe two, to Scream, yeah. which is perfect because this is the month where Scream is going to be coming up. Scream 5 yep. will be released. And we thought it was a good partner for this film. Now, there's not anyone really recognizable per se. The most recognizable person in this is Steve Railsback, who you'd recognize from uh, the Helter Skelter miniseries, the Life Force, the Toby Hooper Life Force from the 1980s, and from the X-Files in the 90s. He played Dwayne Barry in a few episodes, and he's the most recognizable guy in the movie. The rest of them are all pretty much character actors who have done a lot of TV and small movies through there. You might recognize their faces, but you'd be hard-pressed to nail down exactly where they came from. Now, remind, let's give a synopsis. And when I see let's, I meant you, Shad. Oh, I know. Give a synopsis of this film. This is a film where we start off with the killer playing a horror-themed board game. It's a very universal monster-looking thing. You've got Dracula, the mummy, the wolfman, the creature from the Black Lagoon. You've got all these on this board game, and he's rolling D&D dice. It's a very haphazard game here. To uh, decide what he's going to do, and at the beginning you see it lands on Dracula. And from there we discover that the killer is terrorizing the town using this very unique horror board game, rolling dice and deciding who he's going to kill and how he's going to kill them. Then we meet our intrepid hero who... Sister gets killed at the very beginning of the movie, and she comes in to investigate and save the day, sort of. Now, we're, I'm going to go more into depth to the beginning of the film where the sister is alive. But before we do that, I just want to make it clear that this is the 1982 Deadly Games, <laughs> not the 1989 Deadly Games. Which or happens- the other movie from 1982 called The Deadly Game. Wow. 
So there's a lot of very similar titled movies out there to this one. Look for the one with Steve Rails back. This Deadly Games 1989 one is a, like a Christmas film, horror film. So interesting. I feel like maybe we had seen this movie, but there's so many Christmas horror films. I, I, I can't remember them all. Now, the sister in the beginning... Oh, yes. Um, she arrives at her home, and she is eating a cookie and she on her couch. She then stops eating the cookie, decides she's going to go to the front door, the side door of her home. Yeah, it's like the back balcony kind of door. Yeah, where the, like the deck. moonlight is like literally going straight towards the door. It's beautiful lighting. Yeah. And she decides that she's going to start caressing herself in the moonlight. And my thought was, what the fuck was in this cookie? And also, can I have some? (laughs) Because she looked like she was having a good old time. Then she decides, you know what? What is better than eating a delicious cookie and then feeling yourself up in the moonlight? Is maybe we need to take some clothes off. Okay. She just decides to start stripping. Like you do. So she does that. And then there's a telephone call. She goes and she grabs a telephone. And behind her is a window that she can look out, you know, to the outside of her home. And the telephone, (laughs) she picks it up and it's, you know, the breather, you know, (laughs) the creepy guy. And he's literally like telling her obscene things. And he's, like, seeing that he sees her. She's looking around. And then, my favorite part of the film, she looks down the road, and there's a fucking random phone booth. Like, a lit, <laughs> a lit phone booth, okay? Just in the middle of fucking nowhere. Nowhere. Dirt Trees and a dirt road. I'm like, how did they get, like, the landline to have a fucking phone booth in the middle of nowhere? I don't know. It was very weird. And he's there, like, fully masked in his, like, killer wear. Yeah, black ski mask, gloves. I got the super thick, heavy gloves, you know, because you know he's going to murder somebody. And then she starts screaming in disgust. Ah, oh, God. Then she gets another phone call. You think, oh, okay, it's going to kill her calling back. Nope, it's a friend this time. And she says, yeah, I just got this really weird, obscene phone call. But you know, it was kind of a turn on for him to call me and talk to me dirty like that. Okay, then why did you get so mad? She was so she was like screaming like her lungs out. <laughs> and she's like, it's she's she says, I think it's sexy being watched. Then why were you so mad when you found out is it one of those things like, Oh yeah, I want someone to watch me, but don't tell me you're watching me. Just watch me quietly. And then she gets killed. Yeah. But at the same time, as soon as, even when we were watching it, I'm like, technically, he didn't actually kill her. He just chased her into the house, and she backed out of the window trying to get away from him and fell out. So, yes, he kind of caused her death, but he didn't actually, like, put hands on her and kill her. She, he did it. She died from her own stupidity. If there's a killer or someone chasing you, okay... And you're going to go to the attic or whatever. You know, this is your house. You are very much aware where you are. Maybe don't stand in front of the fucking, like, you know, cathedral glass pane fucking window. And then keep backing 
behind like up behind it like you think like oh i'm not gonna fall out of this window like what was she thinking and this is one of the first things that when we saw this we were like oh this is a little like screen the movie starts off with a woman home alone someone calling her and then someone comes in and kills her and you know the other thing too is when she's you know the first thing in scream she says oh it's always some big breasted girl running up the stairs when she should be running outside mm-hmm. first thing in this movie she runs up the stairs and ends up falling out the window I was like, okay, this has got some Scream references in it right off the bat. She wasn't that big-breasted, though. I no. mean, she had breasts. They were there. They were there, but they um, weren't that big. Then we cut to, you know, the police investigation is there, and her sister, Keegan. Everyone calls her Keegan. Everyone knows who she is. Oh, my God, Keegan's in town. Keegan's here because she writes for a magazine. And she's apparently the only one in this town that has ever left and done anything with their life because they're all obsessed with her. All of her sister's friends, everyone is like, oh my God, it's Keegan. Keegan's here. What's weird is, and I never said this in the movie, uh, you would think like she had plastic surgery or maybe she was either very thin in school or on the heavy side. And she just grew up to look completely different than she did when she was younger. Because that's how much they made the point to, like, reference how different she looked. Like, like no one recognized her. Like, oh, my goodness, this is her? Like, wow. Like, they were just so thrown off. To the point where it just seemed like that no one that was in the film realized that, they like, this is the person that was in the film. Like, this is the lead of the film because everyone just acted like she wasn't there at all. Like in that scene where they're in the diner and the waitress comes up to her and takes her order. And, and and she doesn't, it's not only until she comes back and the other ladies are like, Oh, we think that's Keegan. And then they're like, Oh my goodness. Like, oh, it is you. Like what? Like, oh, I don't what was going on there. Right. <laughs> and there was a lot of like, helmet hair in this movie too where people had the heavy hairspray on like spraying it down till it didn't hardly move this was must have been the early 80s style because man there were some rough looking hairstyles in this so if you had seen enough 70s or 80s tv shows uh some films mostly tv shows you would notice that there are two pairs of men two men in this film one had blonde hair and the other one was brunette and they were the best of friends. The brunette one, he was kind of on the weird side. He had like the Doctor Evil like like that's, scar down his eye. That's Steve Rails back. And he always plays the off guy in the movie. So mm. immediately, like when I first saw it, I thought, ah, this is either going to be two things: either he's the red herring, they want you to be like, this guy played Manson, obviously he's the fucking killer. Or they're going to be like, they want you to think that and be like, nope, it's going to be someone else. He's going to be the red herring. So he's a film projectionist and he, uh, you know, he, you know, does it in this beautiful old theater. Um, and Again, another theme, theater themed movie. Yeah. And he's very off-putting. Like he's just, he has no social, he's like a psychopath, a sociopath. He has no connection to anyone, with the exception of his bestie, who happens to be the sheriff. Who was investigating the sister's murder. And they also were best friends, and they went to Vietnam together. They saved each other's lives. The whole nine yards. And rails back throughout, there's a whole movie. I don't think there's a single scene where 
even when he's in the movie theater sitting around, he constantly has a cigarette just dangling out of the corner of his mouth. It's one of those he's one of those magical people that can just has it the cigarette kind of sticking on his lip and never actually holding it, it's just kinda of hanging there throughout the entire film. I don't think there's a single scene except for the very end where he doesn't have a cigarette. There's so much cigarette smoke in this movie, I thought at one point that there was actually smoke coming out of the TV. Yeah, this is like Nightmare almost like Nightmare Alley that the Nightmare Alley movie, third billing should go to uh, tobacco because they smoke so much in that movie and everybody lights so many cigarettes. It's like, damn, did they get money from tobacco for this? Because they should have. I'm like, look, I get it. It's a noir movie. It's set in the 40s. People smoked like a fucking shit, like so much back in the day. But, oh my gosh, could we stop with the smoking already? And this one was almost as bad. There was a lot of smoking in it. And it's just like... I get it. Excuse me. I get it. That happened a lot, but they when they go out of their way to show it so much, it just gets weird, you know. So the cop who is married to one of the friends of the dead girl, because there's like a group of girls that were all, you know, they're all friends, and now they've lost the, you know, their friend um, who's been murdered, and <clears throat> Keegan. She, I, she's, well, she actually is trying to find out, like, who murdered her sister. Yeah, she's kind of there to be kind of looking around and see what's going on, ask the police. But they kind of drop that early on. Like, she looks for a little bit, and then it's just kind of like, eh, I guess I'll just hang out with everybody now. Yeah, I just want to hang out with everybody. I'm just going to hang out in the house where my sister got murdered. That's cool. I'm just going to gather some stuff, and then I'll go back to the city and live my life. In like a week or so. While I'm here though, this uh, cop over here is kind of good looking. I think he likes me a little bit. Oh, but he's married. But we quickly find out it's okay. Him and the wife have an arrangement. He goes out and does whatever he wants to do. Which apparently includes having sex with all of her friends. And Yeah, he's a douchebag. Yeah, and no one seems to be too upset by this. And he, you know, he brings his best friend along when he finally starts seeing Keegan, which there's a very creepy scene where Keegan's in the shower, comes out with a towel wrapped around her, and the cop is just creepily sitting on the doorstep outside her house. Because like her sister, who liked to go outside naked, she also was like, I just got out of the shower, so I'm just going to go outside with a towel wrapped around me and stand on the deck in the moonlight. Apparently that ran in their jeans, I guess. I don't know. Maybe they're fucking wolves or something. I don't know. But yeah, so he's out there and just like, hey, what's going on? Then she's like, she does the typical, oh, God, I'm so ugly. I have no makeup and I haven't fixed my hair. He's like, it's okay. I don't mind. Oh, that's so nice of you. I'm glad you don't mind. But then she says, uh, they start making out and she says, oh, I must be the strangest girl you've ever kissed. And he's like, well, yeah, you are. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. You really know how to woo the ladies, cop. Hey. I think it's one of those things where he's one of the only guys in this town that, you know, looks halfway decent. So they're like, well, I guess everybody just gets their turn. I'm sorry, but if I just came from, like, the big city, I I don't live in this town anymore. Like, I'm off living a life somewhere else. I'm not going to just hop on the first fucking townie that I see. Like, what is her? And he's married. Regardless, she doesn't even know what the situation is. She's already uh, kissing this freaking married cop. And he's doing it. He should be trying to find out who killed my sister. Not trying to get his penis in between my freaking, uh, my legs. Now, there is a cool scene in this where uh, the killer is watching, also there watching the sh- her take a shower. 
And it's a weird, they do a very weird effect on this that I've never seen in any other movie. The killer is looking in the window at her and they freeze the film on the, like a, like a close up of the killer in the ski mask freeze the, on his face. But in the reflection of his eye, you see her taking the shower. Yeah, which was very odd. I thought that like the the movie had stuck. I thought the screener we had had like frozen for a second. And then I realized, oh no, you can still see in his eye she's taking the shower. And it was a very, it was an interesting effect. But it took you a minute to realize that like the movie wasn't fucked up in some way. You know, it was just like, oh okay, I've never seen that before. Yeah, it was definitely unique. Um, I want to say that at some point it just became a weird threesome where the crazy projection guy, the cop, and Keegan, Keegan, you know, they just start hanging out together and they have like... Like, multiple dates where it's just all three of them they're playing they the, all the girls go to see him like play football and then they're playing football the guys are all the guys are playing football he's in there and then they go on a threesome date and they're doing random stuff right they're like shooting yeah they go and they do this they go to the movies they, they never have a date where it's just her and the cop it's always the three of them just hanging out so, but then she kind of will make out with the cop from time to time, like, and she even, you know, she, like, put her arm around Steve Railsback during the movie and was hanging on to him a little bit. So, I thought they were kind of trying to imply, like, okay, they're building up to something between all three of them here, but it never really pays off. But it definitely felt like they were building up to, like, okay, she's going to date both these guys, and they're going to be cool with it. And let me tell you, I... I have never gone on a date where I go see the guy that I'm interested in play football, right? They're playing football. <laughs> and then I leave with the guy and his friend. And then we go to the playground and we're drinking milk and eating sandwiches. Yeah. Like, that was that was part of the date. I'm like, first of all, who takes milk to a playground Like when you're not five? <laughs> That's a terrible choice. That is a terrible choice. It's it, there's sand everywhere. They were like in the fucking sand, like in the sand part. Why? I I couldn't even tell you. And and there is someone else in this movie we forgot to mention, and you'd recognize him from being in a lot of eighties things. And that's the uh, uh, Dick Butkus was his name. Oh, Dick Butkus, yes, yes. And like besides having a terrible name, yeah, he was very recognizable from stuff in the eighties. A lot of it where he just played himself, Dick Butkus. Because he was a former college athlete turned sports commentator. And he did a lot of appearances in movies and TV shows just as himself. And he's one of the uh, husbands of the people there that's they're all playing the football game in the park. He didn't look that much like himself. He was a, definitely a younger version of him than I was used to seeing because he had a lot more hair in this one. Yeah, and then <clears throat> um, after we see the cop basically have sex with all, almost all the friends, with the exception of Dick Buckus's wife. Yeah. He has sex with all of them. They all die one way, shape, or form. The killer gets them. Yeah, and he's using his board game, and when he rolls on the creature from the Black Lagoon, he, <laughs> I love this scene, he jumps into the pool where the one is swimming, and he jumps in in his full jeans Heavy sweater, gloves, ski mask, jumps in with like a wire coat hanger, wraps it around her ankle, and then ties that off to the bottom of the pool to drown her. Then just kind of sits back on the edge of the pool and watches her drown. That's how she met her creature from the Black Lagoon death. Another one, he rolls the mummy, and 
there was a conversation earlier in the movie between the cop and the projectionist about the mummy always strangles people one-handed. And he's like, nah, you can't do that. You can't strangle somebody with one hand. Your thumb's just not strong enough. Then you see this killer try and strangle her with just the one hand. But it doesn't work out. He has to go for the two hands. Yeah, it doesn't work too well for him. He can't quite make it. But, so right away you're like, ah, which one of them is it going to be? It's going to be one of these two because they're trying the one-handed strangle. But and then, <laughs> after all that happens, then it's time for Keegan and the projectionist and the guy to... The cop. All, the cop. All to hang out with one another again, and this is when they, this is later on, they hang out in the movie theater. We had kind of mentioned that earlier. Yeah. This is towards more in the end when they're hanging out in the movie theater all together. They're watching some freaking film. And then, you know, I have to say, in all these films, I'm jealous. I wish I had a awesome old movie, you know, theater to, like, chill out at. Because all these people are always chilling in the theater, and there's no one ever in these theaters. It is like like 500 seats, and there's always like two or three people on. It's them. just the three of them sitting in the balcony watching this movie. Which I get, he's the projectionist; he can let you in when it's closed and everything. But still, but yeah, they could just hang out there and just have the best of times, and that's cool when you do have that like projectionist friend. You had a friend that worked in the movie theater, and you yeah, that was that was good times. It was it kind of sucked whenever he quit and I had to start paying for movies again. <laughs> oh my gosh uh but yeah you don't get that experience but you do get that it, you know that's not a normal experience everyone gets to have where they just hang out in like amazing movie theaters like that like those old-timey ones and uh but they do and then shit goes awry yeah it's just a very like the movie's over and she says okay well i'm gonna head down to the car how do i get there i'm kind of lost and he's like oh yeah just go down the steps and go to the left you'll be fine i'll be down in just a second now the projectionist guy's already left at this point because he went to go fix a projection but wait before we get into this before we get into this part i have to say there was a weird part where they were like in the projection room or somewhere in there and they were playing they were playing a game and they're playing they, the horror board game that's never named yeah and there's a weird song that's playing that we later find out is actually the song was actually written by the guy that directed the film and yeah. wrote the film yeah scott mansfield his name he wrote the movie directed it and wrote this song for it so he had a triple threat going on in this. And the song, a part of the song, says, I don't want you here. I don't want you here. No, I can't stand you near. It's part, is like part of the lyrics of the song, which I thought, that's weird. Because, is that like saying that to her? You know, like one of the guys does not want... I thought there was like a whole thing where one of, you know, uh, one of the guys was in love with the other guy. Yeah, and he was going to be like upset that she was there. Now, we forgot to mention too that before they're having this date at the movie theater, we've seen for a fact that it's the cop that commits at least one of the murders because he murder He picks up one of the friends that's been hanging around at a bar and... Heads back with her, and you know, heads back to his apartment with her, and she's like, "Oh wow, we're gonna go to your apartment this time. We never go to your apartment to have sex." It's like, no, come back to my place this time. But uh, he's already at this point, you know, snuck off and had sex with uh, Keegan by himself, 
and he can't quite perform with her, which, you know, that means it's going to be bad times for her because he's a murderer and he's embarrassed he couldn't perform. So she's definitely going to die. So we see that he's done this, and then he has like a monologue later where he confesses to all the killings. He's just sitting by himself, and he confesses that, yep, I, I, I killed the girl at the beginning. I didn't mean to. I meant to just go in there and scare her. It was so exciting, and she just fell out the window. And then I, then I, I just couldn't stop myself. I yeah. had to drown the other one. And he got a hard on for killing. Like he, and literally he says he was killing because he was bored. <laughs> yeah, he was just bored in this town. And the one girl who at first survived was because he just couldn't strangle her one-handed. And yeah, it's very weird. And then so you're like, okay, well obviously he's doing it. The projectionist is going to come in at the end of the day and save her. Because as Keegan's walking down the hallway at the theater, you see, here comes the guy all dressed in black coming towards her. And you're like, oh shit, this is going to be, this is going to be it. This is going to be, she's going to be killed by her cop boyfriend. So she takes off running into the theater, is running around trying to get away from the person trying to kill her. She finally manages to kill the masked uh, murderer. And lo and behold she pulls the mask off oh no it's the cop surprise we already knew all that yeah she thought she thought it was billy the projectionist she was convinced it was going to be billy but then out of nowhere you hear billy screaming you killed my best friend you you killed my best friend and then in the craziest scene of the fucking movie she looks up from the stage where she's at kind of or the where the screen is at the front of the theater and see here comes steve's rails back just sliding down on a fucking rope, like screaming, and then just freeze frame, the end. Yeah, so we don't know if he murdered her, if she got away, like what the fuck. And did they or did they not say that they were both, just like in Scream, it was both of them in the killings together? Yes, because there was at one point that the cop was with her and something else was happening. So they were doing the killings together. They were they were doing this together. And, and it's just because they had PTSD from Vietnam. He was There was no crime in the small town, so he decided, I'm bored, nothing's ever happening here, so I'm just going to start killing ladies. Like I, Apparently so. It, it was very... I feel like they started off with making a slasher, and then they kind of went to make like a you know lifetime romance movie, and then threw in a little bit of slasher at the end, and then just kind of ended it. Yeah, it was very strange. I've never... It's very rare that the movie just... I'm like, oh shit, okay. That was it. I don't know why someone would want to bring this movie back for people to see. Because it's not much to see. It does The movie makes no sense whatsoever. It's all over the place. It's, and... I guess just because you can look at it and be like, okay, this is a little bit... You can see some influences of Scream on it. And it's one of those ones that I don't think it's been released on anything other than probably VHS since the early 80s. Because it should have just died as a VHS. <laughs> they should have not resuscitated and made it in any other form because it's that bad. It would have been cool if the fucking game that he was... If he was consistent with the game. If the kills actually all matched up to what was happening... There's no indication, no story, no back. There's nothing about this game. We never know why. It's a. It's not a game he bought at the store. It's one that's made, so we don't know like why he made the game. Did he make the game just to start killing people? Was this an inside joke between the two of them? 
Like, nothing. There's there's no explanation whatsoever. Yeah, there's a lot of things brought up, but not a lot of things are followed through on in it. It's it's very strange. It's It, it looks good. They've done a great job of restoring it, but there's just not much to the movie. I can't even say it's that bad. It's just there's not much going on in it. I thought it was very boring, and there were some weird choices uh that they made oh there's some odd choices in it but it's i don't know like when they're playing the board game which is like they're having the best of times there's no dialogue because it's all they're all just laughing and being weird and just like (laughs) chuckling and like slapping their fucking knees (laughs) right and then they're playing that weird fucking song with the weird lyrics and then the camera is literally circling them over and over and over again as they're playing. And it's not like up close shots. It's a wide shot of them playing the game. And the camera is just literally going around them multiple times. What the fuck, man? What was that about? <laughs> yeah, there's some interesting choices in here. And there's some strange, like, the reason I thought maybe they were going to imply that the guys were involved with each other is because... During the football scene where they're all the wives are sitting around playing football, one of them says, "Does this game? Why do they slap each other on the butt sometimes? That seems kind of that seems kind of gay to me." And the one says, "Oh, don't you know all men have latent homosexual tendencies, especially those that play sports?" She's like, "Really?" And they're like, "Yeah, really." So I thought maybe they were gonna go somewhere with that, but they just dropped that. They never brought it back up. I thought like if they had done that, I thought, "Wow, this is gonna be a really like." groundbreaking horror movie for the early 80s to have been like oh the two killers are two gay guys who are in love with each other and are going around killing people thought that would have been an interesting twist especially for an early 80s movie yeah but but i thought that's why i thought too when they started that oh maybe this is why it hasn't been on video or anything for so long it was unpopular choice when it came out and it's kind of vanished but no they didn't really go anywhere with it the deadly game here is you are playing Russian Roulette. You're going to watch this movie and then you're going to want to kill yourself because <laughs> it's, it's that, that terrible. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's just not that interesting. Uh, to me, there's a difference between a really terrible movie and a just not interesting one. This one's got some interesting things in it where it's like, okay, that was interesting. I've not seen that before, but there wasn't enough connecting everything you know there was it seemed like just uh, some random vignettes put together but like i said i can't say i hated it i'm mm-hmm. glad i saw it because it's something i can you know chalk up and be like okay this is an interesting one but I, it just what it just didn't hold my attention that much you're much more forgiving i give it one knife and that's all the knives i'm gonna get that one that's one knife too many i wish i could give zero knives but it like you said there was slight interesting things there's nothing like as soon as i finished the movie i immediately forgot what the movie was about because it was <laughs> that boring i'm gonna give it two knives just because like i said there were some interesting scenes for it uh it, it's a, it's a little piece of forgotten horror history. It's fine to me. I'm glad to see it. I I probably won't see it again, but it's it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. We've seen way worse movies than this. This is true. I also <laughs> would like to thank Arrow Video uh, for allowing us to view this um, beforehand, and we're very grateful. And I, like you said, I am happy that I was at least able to watch a forgotten horror film. 
Yeah, because I had never heard of this before. That may or may not have influenced a little bit of Scream, because there are some slight similarities. Yeah. You know, with the two killers, with one being kind of a brunette and the other one a blonde. This will be one of those things that it'll be good to later when someone's talking to you about Scream, you can bring this up and be like, hey, have you seen Deadly Games? That's another one that's very similar to Scream, you know? Yeah. It's kind of one you can put, file away and keep in your mind for when you want to talk about movies that influence Scream. Yeah, which it may or may not have. I've never seen anything saying that it has, but it's one of those things like we don't know if maybe Kevin Williamson maybe had seen this film and then fucking 20 years later decided to write this movie and yeah. maybe took away some things that he did like or... Remembered from it. Yeah. You know, that happens all the time. Like, things like that happen. So, who knows? But, yeah, one knife for me, two knives for Shad, because he's awesome. <laughs> and thank you so much for joining us. It's a new year, and we're going to have... We're looking forward to a new year of film, new and old. And uh, we're going to be bringing in uh, Carrie for some of our second servings. And uh, she's going to sit in with us and give us her two cents on some of her favorite second servings. uh, Because she likes really, really terrible movies. Uh, but she has a unique perspective on a, on a lot of them. And she's like a fucking fountain of knowledge. Like, useless knowledge in those films. So, thank you so much for joining us. And stay tuned to the horror. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage. And hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.